Welcome back to church again. So nice to have everybody here. Uh, we have got uh, some wonderful things coming up, uh, with new series kicking off next week when I return from holidays. But today we've got a sermon um, that has been uh, uh, lent to us uh, and, and preached by, by a mentor of mine, a former mentor of mine and, and former pastor of mine. His name is Timon Benson. He is the, the, the lead uh, pastor at City Reach Church in, in Adelaide. Um, they've got three locations. Uh, he's the, 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 the lead pastor over that network of churches and, and of the Oakton campus. And uh, Oakton has a very special place in, in our heart. That's where Kelly and I um, uh, spent five years. Uh, I was youth pastor and, and associate pastor there at the church. And uh, Timon arrived at the church not long into my ministry there and was a great um, uh, source of counsel and, and strength and, and encouragement and training for me. And uh, he's, a, he's a wonderful preacher. And so I'd encourage that you um, this morning to, to really listen to, to the heart of the gospel that, that shines through uh, from Timon. So, so Oakton, um, that's where we were when, when we gave birth to Joshua and Serena before we moved to Frankston. And uh, we've got lovely friends there. Um, Timon's one of those. Uh, he's got a, a wonderful family, a beautiful wife. Uh, Tegan has got five daughters and uh, they are a great source of blessing and encouragement to us and I hope they will be to you as well. So uh, this morning, like the last two weeks in this, this spring series, uh, we've just got worship in the Word, that's our focus. And so let me pray for us now as, uh, as we worship the Lord and, uh, and, and uh, hear from, from the Word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Lord Jesus, you are sovereign, you are Lord of the church, and that you have given us such an amazing knowledge of who you are. And Lord, I pray that that knowledge of who you are would, would, would go into and permeate all of the fabric of our very being. And that Lord, through this message, we'd be encouraged to abide in you more and more each and every day. And uh, that Lord, our purpose for being here is not to only just to abide in you, but, but from that place of abiding, Lord, to operate in ministry uh, for your plans and purposes and to accomplish great things for you and through your uh, Holy Spirit that enables us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we worship this morning, you would be lifted high, you'd be praised, and that, Jesus, indeed, you would be glorified by our, our, our humble singing this morning. So, Lord, be with us strengthen us, encourage us, and may we learn more from you, from your word today, I pray. Amen. Well, let's sing and then we'll hear from Timon. Uh, blessings to everyone. Say, 
He is mighty to say forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures. Fill Spirit till the work on earth is done. 
How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could Such boundless grace The God of ages Stepped down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame The cross has spoken I am forgiven The King of kings calls me
Just to introduce myself, my name is Timon Benson, and I'm the senior pastor here at City Reach Oakton. On Sunday mornings, we are doing a series called Church Renewal, because we believe that what God is doing in this season is He is renewing the church to impact the world. And we are in John 15 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up to John chapter 15. Now you'll notice in your Bibles, if you look down at the end of John 14, that it ends with Jesus saying these words, rise, let us go from here. You know, it is Thursday night. On Friday, Jesus is going to be crucified. And Jesus has taken his disciples into the upper room and he's celebrated Passover with them. He's washed their feet. He has taught them to love one another. But it seems that at this point, Jesus rises from the table and he leads his disciples out into the night and they walk through the streets of Jerusalem. And I like to imagine that as Jesus is walking along with his disciples right behind them, he comes to a grapevine and he turns to the grapevine and he says these words in John chapter 15, verse one to his disciples, I am the true vine. Now this is the final I am statement in John's gospel. John uses seven I am statements to reveal the character of Jesus. And this is the final I am statement. And I think it's the most significant. Now notice Jesus says, I am the true vine. In other words, Jesus is contrasting himself with a false vine. Who is that false vine? Well, if you were to go to the nation of Israel today, you would see this symbol plastered everywhere over hotels and buses. It's the Israeli Ministry of Tourism symbol. You can see that it has two people carrying on a pole, a big bunch of grapes. And this obviously comes from the Old Testament where they sent in spies to spy out the land and they came back carrying grapes showing that the land was an abundant land. And so this symbol of a vine became the symbol for the nation of Israel. God had taken Israel out of Egypt and he had planted them in Canaan to be a vine that would bear fruit for his honor. But sadly, as you read the story of the Old Testament, you come to realize that Israel, instead of bearing good fruit, became a wild vine. For example, the Lord says this in Jeremiah 2, verse 21, I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? So instead of bearing good fruit for God, the nation of Israel turned against God into idolatry and bore bad fruit. And then in Psalm 80 and verse 8, the psalmist says this. He says, once again, you bought a vine out of Egypt and you drove out of the nation, drove out the nations and planted it. And then he goes on to describe how wild boar came into the vineyard. 
and how the nations in verse 16 burned the vineyard and they have cut it down, making it desolate. And so it seems as you close the Old Testament like there is no hope. And then interestingly enough, in the very next verse, in verse 17, the psalmist says this, but let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. The psalmist looks forward to this one, a son of man who will come, who God's hand will be upon. So I think when Jesus said these words, I am the true vine, the disciples knew what he was saying. He was saying, I am that son of man. I am now the true source of spiritual life. Now, the metaphor that Jesus uses here in John 4, uh, 15, it has four main parts. The vine is Jesus. The vine dresser or farmer is God the Father. The branch is believers and the fruit is a Christ-like life. And the point of John 15 isn't hard to understand. Uh, Jesus's point in using this metaphor is not difficult to comprehend. Uh, Jesus is basically saying, just as a branch must remain connected to a vine to bear fruit, believers must remain vitally connected to Jesus if they want to bear fruit. You know, I have right here an iPhone charger. Now, I don't know what it's like in your household, but in my household, iPhone chargers are a very precious commodity. Uh, we always seem to be losing our iPhone chargers. You know, my children will come down from upstairs and one of them will say, who stole my iPhone charger? Who stole my iPhone charger? And it drives me insane because, you know, whenever you buy an iPhone, you always get an iPhone charger. So there should always be one iPhone charger for one iPhone. But when you think about it, an iPhone charger has no power in and of itself. In order for it to charge the phone, it must remain connected to the wall, to the power source. You know, the other night um, I was going to bed, it was very, very late and it was dark and the lights were off. And so I stumbled into our nook where we keep our iPhone chargers and I connected my iPhone so that it could be charged up. Well, when I woke up in the morning and I checked my iPhone, it was completely dead. You see, while it was connected on one end, this end was not connected to the wall. And so it was basically useless. You know, this is Jesus's point in John 15. If we want to bear fruit, we must remain vitally connected to Jesus. Because as Jesus says in verse 5, he says, for without me, you can do nothing. You need to underline those words in your Bible. They are significant words. Without Jesus, we can do nothing of lasting spiritual value. You know, you might have been a missionary and you've left all to, to serve Jesus, but if you are not vitally connected to Jesus, you won't accomplish anything. Like me, you might have a great theological education, but unless you remain vitally connected to Jesus, you won't be able to accomplish anything because all the spiritual life and power comes through being connected to Jesus. And in this passage, there is a progression that you see. You know, in verse two, Jesus talks about branches that bear no fruit. Then he talks about branches that bear some fruit. And he says they're pruned so that they will bear more fruit. And by the end, we have branches that are bearing much fruit. In fact, Jesus says in verse eight, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You know, Jesus wants his disciples to bear much 
fruit, to have his life flowing through their life so that everyone sees the life of Jesus flowing through you. You know, the proof of whether you are a disciple of Jesus or not is not whether you go to church. It's not whether you've learned the Christian lingo, but the proof of whether you're a disciple of Jesus or not is whether the life of Jesus is being seen in you, whether you are bearing fruit for God. So we must remain vitally connected to Jesus because as he says, without him, without being vitally connected to him, we can do nothing. But why don't we remain connected to the vine? Why do we disconnect ourselves from the power source? Well, this week as I was studying, I came across this passage in Deuteronomy where Moses is speaking to the Old Testament vine Israel. And he, these words really spoke to me. Moses says this to Israel. He says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, what Moses is saying, you've got to be careful because what happens when God tends to bless us is we then tend to become proud. We tend to become self-sufficient in our abundance. And you see, this is why we don't remain vitally connected to the vine is because our hearts tend to trend towards self-sufficiency. We tend towards thinking that we are the ones who produce the fruit. That if I do this, and if I do this, and if I do this, then my life will be fruitful. Whereas Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Now God is committed. God is 100% committed to showing us our need for Jesus. And spiritual renewal begins in our lives when we recognize how self-sufficient and proud we've become and we turn back to the vine, the true vine, the only source of life. And so my question this morning is this, what does God do to bring us to the end of ourselves? What does God do if he's committed to showing us our need for Jesus? What does he do to bring us to the end of ourselves and to showing us our need for Jesus? Well, this is what Jesus goes on to explain. He says in verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So you see the scene here. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. The Father is the gardener. He is sovereign over, over all things. And then Jesus goes to say in, on in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, some people, as they read this verse, it causes them a lot of confusion because it seems that what Jesus is teaching here is that if you don't bear fruit, you're in danger of the Father cutting you off or, or taking you away. It seems to suggest that you can lose your salvation. Now, we know from other passages in the Bible that uh, you know, believers do possess eternal security, that once you have come to God through Jesus, you have been given eternal life. And as Jesus says, nothing can snatch you out of the hand of God. So who are these branches that Jesus says 
here that bear no fruit and whom the Father takes away. Well, to understand this, I think we need to look at verse 3. In verse 3, Jesus says to his disciples, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Because of the gospel, you have been cleansed inside. You have been transformed. You have been regenerated by the gospel because of the word that I've spoken to you and you've received it in faith. You've been, you've been transformed internally. Now, this is interesting that Jesus would say this to his disciples here in John 15, verse 3, because over in John 13, verse 10, Jesus said earlier that night this to his disciples. He said, and you are clean, but not every one of you. You have been transformed by the gospel internally, but not every one of you have. And then John goes on to say in verse 11, for he, that's Jesus, knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you were clean. It seems that Judas had never been cleansed by the grace of God, by the word of God. And so that's why he went off and betrayed Jesus. So who are the branches that bear no fruit and are taken away? Well, like Judas, they are dead branches, branches which appear to be connected to the vine, but they don't really have the life of the vine flowing through them. You know, this is a warning of Jesus to us. It's a warning of Jesus to us. Because, you know, for all intensive purposes, when you looked at the life of Judas, he looked like a disciple of Jesus. He associated with Jesus and followed Jesus. He heard Jesus' teaching, but he was never really transformed and had never really experienced the internal transformation of the word of God in his life. You know, uh, and this is a warning for us because, you know, there can be people who associate with the church, but have never really experienced internal transformation. I was speaking to a friend of mine last week, and he was telling me about this 80-year-old lady in his church. And she's been going to his church for her whole life. And she recently came to him and said, Pastor, I want to be baptized. She said, because I understand for the very first time what the gospel means. She said, when I grew up, and started coming to this church, if you just came along to church, you were considered to be a member of this church. And so I came into membership and I thought that I was secure with God because I was a member of this church. But I have come to realize now that the only way you can really have eternal security is by trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. You know, this is the invitation of Jesus to you this morning. Maybe you need to come to him for the very first time and receive him so that you'll be connected to him, the vine, and so that his life will flow through your life. So Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the father takes away. But he also says, every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be more fruitful. Now, see, Jesus says two things here about branches. The first thing that he says that every branch in him that is really connected to him will bear fruit, will end up in the end bearing fruit. Now, some of you might look at your life and you mightn't see much fruit at the moment. But you know, if you were to go up to the Barossa at certain seasons, you might find something like this. <laughs> you might find a picture like this. You might see vines that are completely barren. 
And those vines are still alive and they're still going to bear fruit, but it's just they're going through a season, a season of barrenness. And this might be the same with you. You might be going through a season of barrenness at the moment. But the second thing that Jesus says, he says, every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes. Notice that every branch he prunes. There is not one branch connected to Jesus that doesn't get away without being pruned. Every branch will be pruned. You know, pruning is painful, but pruning is profitable. You know, there are some things that you can only learn through trials and through difficulties and through suffering. You know, it's interesting at the time when this was written, there were two main seasons for pruning. There was firstly pruning that happened in the spring season as, as the vine started to grow and there started to be new life that started to come on the vine. Uh, the vine dresser would come at that season and he would prune it back as in, in order to train the vine so that it could be more fruitful. But there was also after harvest, there was a second season of pruning where the vine dresser would come and he would strip away all of the dead branches and all of the rubbish. So, and it looked like the vine had been completely stripped back, but this was so that in the future there would be growth. You know, I think this is the season that we are going through as a church, a time where we are being completely stripped back so that in the future we will experience greater growth in God. You know, it's interesting, last weekend I was talking to one of our church members and they said this interesting thing to me. They said, I don't want to waste this season. I wonder if that's your heartbeat as well. As things are stripped back from you, as you can't see people like you once did, as you can't do what you once did and go out and do the things that you normally do, as we can't gather like we normally do as a church, I wonder if that's your prayer, Lord, help me not to waste this season, but help me to learn what you're seeking to teach me in this season. You know, I don't know if you've seen this on Facebook, but this is an apparent thing that comes from C.S. Lewis and his screw tape letters. And it's Satan and Jesus. And Satan says, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down businesses, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. And Jesus says, I will bring together neighborhoods, restore family units. I will bring dinner back to the table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. You see, as we go through this season of pruning, don't waste what God is doing. He's wanting you to come back to him so that you will realize that without him, without Jesus, you can do nothing. So let me just um, give you a few applications this morning. Number one, submit to God's pruning process. Submit to God's pruning process. Number two, humble yourself under God's hand. Remember, we all trend towards self-sufficiency and we need to humble ourselves under God's hand. And number three, turn your gaze back to the vine. You see, our gaze should be on the fruit. Our gaze should always be on Jesus. You know, earlier this year, uh, earlier this week, I was reading uh, this book 
by Jeffrey Bingham. It's the biography of Jeffrey Bingham. Jeffrey Bingham was a pastor and preacher, a South Australian pastor and preacher. And he went through a number of revivals. Um, he had one when he was a missionary in Pakistan. But interestingly enough, God used him to bring a revival uh, to the York Peninsula and, uh, in 1969. And I love one of the things that came out of that. One of the lines from that revival was this line that, uh, you know, what the cross cleanses, the spirit will then fill. You know, maybe that's what God is wanting to do in your life. He's wanting to bring you and humble you. Take care, as Moses says, lest in your abundance you forget the Lord. And maybe you've forgotten the Lord and what the cross cleanses, the spirit fills. And maybe you need to bring your self-sufficiency to God today and admit your complete weakness so that he can fill you again afresh with his spirit. Well, let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for this message that you have brought to us. And I thank you for your grace in our lives. I thank you that you're a good God and that you want us to bear much fruit for your glory and honor. And so, Father, I pray for our church this morning that as we return to you in humility and weakness and brokenness, you would cleanse us afresh and fill us with your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name.
Thanks for coming along to church today. It was lovely to have you with us. We'll love to see you next week. Blessings.